Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 11, part two. On Monday's episode, we engaged Mumbai-based CG Soup, Prashant Nair, in our 13-question grilling, otherwise known as the Framestore podcast dailies. On today's episode, we pass the mic to this week's guest co-host, Max DeCroix, senior look dev and surfacing artist based in our Melbourne studio. So, without further delay, we hope you enjoy episode 11, part two of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 11, part two, the second installment of our conversation with Mumbai-based CG soup, Prashant Nair. This is where we hand over to this week's guest co-host, Melbourne-based senior look dev and surfacing artist, Max DeCroix, who will continue the interview where we left off. So Max, it's over to you. All right, Prashant, let's get to the thick of it. I guess one of my first uh, my first questions. So I, I come I come in um, with like a little bit of knowledge of the supervising function myself. I've uh, I've been supervising for a couple of years, so I'm I'm going to just like ask some question about like the actual supervising function. And one of the things that I find really interesting is like your background is like very much more around modeling and animation. I find it it's not that common uh, in CG supervisor. I often find more like people in uh, FX or in lighting or rigging, very much more technical. So I was wondering if uh, in the, in your fields of expertise, which uh, do you find the one in particular that is more useful on a, in your supervising role? And for the other disciplines, uh, that were unfamiliar to you, how did you get up to speed and gain the the, the, the skills and language required? Well, that's a good question, uh, Max. And I think you you rightly said, I think it's it was the biggest challenge for me getting into this CG Soup role in my previous studios. Like like you exactly said, they wanted primarily a person from more technical and you know lighting background. And I was lucky to, you know, get into Framestore Mumbai. And Mark, when he interviewed me, he was happy that, you know, okay, he wanted to probably have someone with a more solid asset background, you know, kind of get a different perspective. So that's how, I mean, I'm here. I started off, you know, as a director, you know, back in those days and, you know, doing a lot of storyboard and concepts and all that. And then I slowly got into modeling when I started with the CG world. So I think I would say it's kind of always helpful to kind of, you know, slowly graduate and understand what these departments, how they work and what happens to the model. I was very curious, you know, how they kind of rig it, how they would animate it, you know. So I, I definitely, you know, kind of explored, uh, you know, some rigging bit. I had the opportunity to do some, you know, hair, hair simulation and all that back in those days, obviously for some CG work, you know, CG uh, shows. There's always a starting point. And I think, you know, I just recently ventured into lighting and look dev. Claire did help me out to kind of explain. And now I would say that, you know, I'm earlier I used to kind of comment 
more aesthetically, but I, I'm sure now I'll be able to kind of, you know, probably tackle more technical issues, you know. Being able to really pinpoint a problem instead of just saying like something's not quite right, but no, now you can really address the artists with uh, with their own language, which is always a plus. Exactly. So to your question, I say I would say I wouldn't single out any one department or expertise. I think you'll definitely, as especially as a generalist or a CG supervisor, I think you also have a supervision background. So I think it's kind of you know good to have. A good holistic knowledge of you know how how every department works you know what are the kind of possibilities what could be the challenges and you know whenever you get some time kind of you know uh, spend some time understand and obviously the most important thing as a, as a supervisor it's all also to kind of have a good eye for detail that's always a very uh, a very important thing the eye for detail in any in any department really that's that's really what really make you stand out uh, one of the really interesting things I find about a CG supervisor is obviously, as we said, the technical role. When you start, when you start on a, a on a project, and you know there's going to be like a really challenging shot or sequence, something really complex or that hasn't been done before, what's your approach when you start just like thinking about like, okay, how are we going to do this? Setting up a plan. Do you have a do you have like a, a way of approaching things? Well, again, then, uh, you know, looking at what, what the brief is or, you know, what's the kind of requirement for the VFX, I think I would probably, you know, sit and spend some time with the, you know, stakeholders from different departments, understand how we could probably approach it. I would kind of, sometimes I kind of, you know, zoom out things and take a holistic look at it, then get into details, because that's always helpful to kind of, you know, have a different view, different perspective. I would say kind of stagger it in such a way that, you know, understand what the challenges would be, come up with plan B, just in case if the things don't work out, and always to kind of, you know, show some progresses at an early stage to the supervisors, to the VFX of the clients, you know, to, so that there are no surprises in the end, and make sure that we're always con constantly connecting with the, to get the inputs. Every show is different in the end. I mean, there's a lot of the same, but also at the same time, it's never quite the same thing. So it's, it's difficult to come with a, we can't really have like a plan that works for every situation. Yes, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Come up with the best, uh, the best plan possible with uh, all the parties and then just iterate and go with the flow. That's true. Yes, exactly. As a, as a CG soup, uh, that's something I've, uh, that, it's quite different depending on companies, uh, philo the philosophy of the company, but also mostly the size of the companies that do you ever get to actual still do what I call dirty work? As in like you really just like sit down at the machine, put your nose in the program and just like try to solve a problem or have to actually uh, finish an asset or just like break a break through a wall that an artist or a whole department is uh, is bumping into or do you basically don't have this luxury anymore and you just uh, you just have to guide and delegate the best you can no no it's it's definitely a part and parcel of being a CG supervisor so i think apart from your you know your daily dailies being part of dailies or you know you know checking the qc renders you know if something's broken you definitely have to kind of jump in and make sure that you know you figure out why it's not working kind of fix it but sometimes, yes, I don't know whether I should be mentioning here, but, you know, we have to come up with some hacky ways to kind of fix things, you know, fix things, you know. So we have to be kind of doing that on a regular basis. I would say, yes, uh, most of the time, yes, uh, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, letting your kind of your leads, your experts do the job because, you know, they are the best to do that. So I think most of the time, you know, if it's just, just kind of 
some some you know animation feedback and things like that you know I'll, I'll let the leads kind of handle it then again i find some time for myself you know some sometime like an hour or two in a week to kind of make sure that you know i'm able to brush up my skills whatever departments i'm talking about because i don't want to kind of get rustic you know it could be in in a uh, industry that evolves this fast and with software just like constantly evolving and replacing each other it could be easy to uh, be a bit out of touch right um so you don't miss being hands-on that much i mean you do you do get in you do get in it just like sometimes you fix problems but you miss a little bit more of the actual creative inputs that you could have no i definitely uh you know contribute my bit and wherever i can i just just kind of you know i don't shy away from giving feedback or suggestions again it's the, it's the final call of of the vfx soup or, or the director of the film whether to kind of take it or not but you know, I, whenever I feel that probably, you know, that's helpful for the kind of story and everything, obviously keeping in mind the kind of, you know, the timelines, what we have, you know, I, I, I do give in my inputs. Keep on with the, keeping on with the supervising role. Um, from the moment you go to, um, from lead to department supervisor, then city supervisor, it's like every step, just like you broaden your horizon and you have to learn new skills and it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, different skills that you need to possess from artistic to technical uh being able to organize things for uh, foreseeing problems and also people skills among all these skills do you think like some are particularly valuable and were, were there some that were difficult to actually gain or develop because they were not like your your forte yes i think like you rightly said you know you got the list right you know being being kind of technical being a manager sometimes being an hod sometimes i think this is sometimes we have to kind of switch those hats sometimes you know and to kind of make it easier uh, i would say we are more like a swiss army knife right i think to be able to kind of juggle between the different roles and provide solutions to different departments, you know, whether be it creative or technical. And I think as a CG soup, you'll definitely need to have a holistic view of what's happening across, you know, your sequences and your show, right? And what are the departments you're dealing with? It's really important to kind of understand what the skill sets of your team is, what your crew is like, and definitely setting up expectations at a, at a very, very early stage. And I would strongly say that a prompt communication is the key. Communication is always the key to anything we do, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think adding to that, I think communication is really important because if you're dealing with cross-site, different timelines, you know, you just kind of like, for example, you know, we, we're talking now from three different time zones right now. And, you know, we have like, I don't know, maybe a few hours of overlap, Max. And I, I know I, I need to talk to you, you know, we need to kind of work collaboratively, you know, we'll need to make sure that everything I'm telling you, you have understood, you know, so that kind of a communication is important. And in terms of expectations, I keep telling my team that, you know, if there's a brief given to you, which is kind of more creative or subjective, there could be a few wedges, as we say, you can provide few options or variations in terms of giving that output. So that way, you know, a creative supervisor or, you know, a VFX supervisor always has an option to look at saying that, you know what, okay, option C looks really good, which is close to what I'm expecting. Yeah, and the other way around too, like sometimes you act uh, as a translator to some briefs that can be like a bit murky or a bit a bit abstract, and you can just like help translate that to something that's like a bit more practical to your team. Yes, absolutely. Yep, keep doing that. All right, that takes me to uh, the next question, which I think is the uh, obligatory 
software question. Do you have a software of a preference, some uh, one that you go for uh, more than the others, or maybe a combination of software that you swear by? Or do softwares don't really matter in the end and it's all about like the person behind it? No, no, that's that's well said. I think it's always the person behind it. No, uh, I started with Maya. I still love that. And uh, my personal favorite frame store tool is SRP tool. That's just one tool I you know I'm kind of rely on on a daily basis. You know, get to see everything there, the submissions and the pipeline info and everything. And uh, my personal tool, um, you know, which which I still use on my iPad is Procreate. I never tried it, but I heard a lot of good things about Procreate. It looks to be like a really powerful, powerful application. And good old Maya, Maya will never die. Never die, yeah. <laughs> what's what's your favorite tool, Max? Oh, that's a complicated one too. The more it goes, the more I really enjoy anything that gives me instant feedback. Anything that allows me to see what I'm doing real time is definitely is definitely has a place in my heart. Like when I discovered the Substance suite of texturing, that that changed that changed the game for me. So that and um, and uh, real-time rendering, any any software that can do real-time rendering. So obviously Unreal, I haven't delved into it yet, but that's I think that's the kind of stuff I'm I'm going to be really into. We were talking about all the different uh, the fields and backgrounds uh, that you have to get familiar with for supervising. But is there a step in a project that you uh, that you enjoy most than the others? Or if there's not one that you enjoy more, is there one that's more challenging for you than the other steps? Yeah, definitely. I mean, something that's really, you know, challenging. Uh, I would love to do that. Talking about what part of the project, I would say the entire life cycle of a show or a sequence I'm, I'm part of. You know, I kind of enjoy every stage of it, right from the planning till the execution. You know, when you're part of such things, you know, and definitely you get to learn a lot every time. Every time you get to learn something new. Most challenging thing would be, especially when, you know, things change drastically, which you have not really planned for sometimes, you know, or uh, the kind of briefs have changed, which you really did not factor in. But then again, we'll have to come up with a plan B or C, you know, whatever kind of works best. All right. Next question. I think that's that's one I'm uh, I'm actually uh, that's one of my favorite questions. Like Simon has, there are uh, I think we had the moment. There's uh, well over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of new, very new, interesting technologies uh, and innovations that are um, changing or have the potential to change the industry. Like deep learning at real time, as we said earlier, with Unreal on sets, the use of volumes for uh, uh, interactive lighting. So, what are what are your thoughts on all these new technologies? Which are the ones that you think have like really the potential to change the game and uh, your sentiment on the future and the industry with those? Well, I think uh, the technology is kind of ever evolving, so I think we'll need to kind of embrace it. And uh, I, I would be keen to kind of you know learn this real time and unreal for sure. And I think uh, you know soon I think this should be the new new normal. And I can slowly see that all the newer shows are kind of planning to adapt to that methodology. You know, uh, the, the latest, uh, you know, show I'm working on, probably I don't know if I can mention that, but I think we have kind of, you know, starting to work, you know, with the FPS team on that and you know, build out certain assets that way, you know, and the planning and methodology is focused on getting working material to, you know, the editorial as soon as possible. Uh, so the big creative decisions could be settled early. 
and uh, talking about LED volumes, uh, Max, I'm sure you would be aware of since you're part of Thor. You know, it was the first film to kind of try out the stagecraft LED volume. And uh, this entire workflow was challenging. And, uh, you know, our team had to kind of uh, do reverse engineering, uh, the kind of engineer the data provided by the clients to be able to kind of ingest into our frames to pipeline. There were several challenges. So I would say, you know, eventually we kind of used the kind of hybridized workflow to kind of re re redress and enhance the backgrounds. I mean, at the end of the day, a technology as new and miraculous as it may seem, that's is still just a tool. And if it's not in the right hands, it's... Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there won't be no miracle. Still need pe We still need people for a few years. Because all, all said and done, we probably need kind of these creative people, the emotions, you know. I'm sure not everything we can kind of, you know, replicate. I have a question that's a bit more uh, directed towards culture, as in um, in the past decade, a bit more, we've seen really just like uh, year after year movies uh, produced in India. And I'm not, I'm not talking about Hollywood movies. I'm talking about Indian movies, like whether they're Bollywood or Chennai or, or Tamil movies, but with more and more uh, impressive VFX and uh, over-the-top action and the quality being steadily on the rise. I remember seeing the first time, for the first time in the late 2000s, like the Enjiran uh, VFX which were like really, really entertaining. And then a few years ago, it was Bahubali that had like really, really cool stuff going on. And then this year, there's RRR, which is even like mentioned in uh, the Golden Globes and uh, has, has been a talk on the, on the internet about like the really great VFX that we have. What's your, what's your sentiment about like the evolution of the industry for Indian cinema? First, I would say, wow, I mean, you know, you know, do know a lot about uh, Indian cinema, Max. <laughs> Did you get to watch uh, all of these films, really? Yeah, uh, we watched uh, 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 a couple of days ago with my partner and uh, we had a really great time. Did you like it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly, in a sense, what I expect of an Indian movie. It's three hours and in three hours you will have everything. Every, every movie will give you the whole gamut of, uh, of human experiences. There's going to be action, there's going to be humor, there's going to be dance, there's going to be music, there's going to be love, there's going to be drama. And uh, it's, when, it's done, when it's done well, it's just like, it's, it's an incredible ride. <laughs> true, true. Uh, well, I must say, uh, to answer to your question, uh, I think Indian films have actually evolved over the years and they are being bold and you know, they're coming up with some good plots which is good. And VFX, yep, I think it's pretty decent. And as some of the studios have been in, involved, big studios have been involved, I honestly feel the kind of VFX should support the narrative and storytelling. Yeah, I think they're doing a pretty decent job on that. We have all kinds of studios in India that are working on Indian films, from small local studios to big global studios. There is so much long and eventful journey of VFX in India. I think you'll be surprised. Uh, if you're keen to watch, I have done a short film just before the pandemic. It's on our FTV link. I can share the path with you a little later. Uh, so it kind of shows you Absolutely. the 100 plus years of, of Indian cinema. In India, I mean, like you said rightly about, about uh, the RRR, there's a wide variety of culture in India and mythology in India, you know. 
that I think we can make such wonderful, amazing VFX films. We're getting there. There's the 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 fact that uh, India has such like a, a long a long tradition, a first a, a very millennia long culture, and with a really strong tradition of uh, of art and over the over the centuries. I mean, obviously, the biggest movie market in the world. It's really good to see to see Indian movies just like coming to to prominence and just like getting more and more recognition. I think, and apart from some of these VFX films, there are also some of very recently released uh, low budget films. Not so much VFX heavy, but I think it's worth watching. I think the the magic of the VFX ones is that great great visuals will will transcend any kind of culture. Right, cool shot is going to wow everybody around the world. It's a good. Uh, it's always a good um, a good entry point, I think. Well, looking back on your career, you've you worked on many movies, both uh, Indian movies and uh, Western movies. So all all around, do you have any favorite project? Something that's like really memorable and that you remember more fondly than others? Since I've worked on kind of different verticals, I think I would probably take examples of each. I would say the, some of my favorite projects, I think one of them I just mentioned a while ago, I think in the last episode was the EA games. So the EA FIFA heads and, you know, other stuff what we built for the EA games. It was a big challenge because we did uh, all of that without the scans back then. And the sports versus stripe, the commercials, and obviously the Jungle Book. Me and my artists were also actually part of the Blade Runner. I would like to also mention The Kingsman because that was my very first show which I actually worked out of London and I personally enjoyed working on this film you know because I was actually involved in a lot of these creation of goats have you seen that film Max The Kingsman I saw the first one only I would say uh, you know I also enjoyed working on the short sculpts and uh, some very art directed parachute shots on that film yeah, some uh, some good memories. So this one was also first time I just see the soup on any any film. Yeah, linked to the fact that you were like working in London for the first time. For sure, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's deviate a little bit from uh, from CG and VFX. Um, do you have any uh, any any hobbies that actually like help you just like get your mind off work and VFX, or even like maybe movies and screen completely something that keeps you that keeps you fresh yeah movies and episodics always yes i think i would always do that when i'm back home with my family i do indulge on some sort of art form so when i'm home with my family we my wife and kid always get kind of we do this kind of diy activities and a lot of painting and all that apart from these creative activities I sometimes unwind myself, you know, through Muay Thai, sports like badminton and table tennis. Ah, oh, Muay Thai. Well, that's that's intense. That's that's a, probably a really good one to let out of the the frustration of the yes, of the daily job. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but I I, th- I find like that's something that's like really really um, attractive uh, when most of our job consists in digital stuff like it's everything is very intangible it's actually having like a a counterpoint when you do something that's like very physical that can be a sport or that can be 
drawing but like drawing on 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 paper or like sculpting something but creating something that is actually tangible is uh, is really a great outlet yeah what do you do to kind of distress yourself max i used to do some martial arts as well but i i I haven't been doing them uh, of late uh, for a variety of reasons but still do like going for a run i think that's like a really a good way to uh well first waken the body and activate the brain sometimes even solve a problem just think about it while you're running it's uh, it's very good else when i like when i like to take my eyes off screens i do like to play a bit of music or i love to tinker with electronics and cooking is a good one too what do you what do you what do you cook because I just heard in the last episode that you know sometimes you confuse you don't know what to eat so what do you end up cooking I do I do end up cooking a lot of uh, western food not that because it's my preference but because my partner is um, Southeast Asian so she she cooks like all the most of the Asian inspired stuff and she's from Malaysia so we have like a a good influx of uh, of Chinese and Indian and so I just indulge in the in the more uh, Western side, but yeah, we do cook a lot of a uh, lot of different things. Like um, this week, uh, we did some burgers yesterday. Nothing fancy, but I'm gonna. Do, she's doing a chili pan meat tonight, and tomorrow I'll do a lasagna. I heard that you're pretty good at cooking yourself these days. Who told you that? <laughs> I think that's that's the family. <laughs> you're right. Yes, you're right. I don't mind. I mean, while I was there in London, I I, I think. Many times I ended up cooking myself because whenever I kind of felt or kind of had the craving of having something Indian, I would probably get all the ingredients and, you know, cook it myself. Yeah, you cook it the way you want it. Although being in London is probably the best place to, to be in Europe if you want, if you need something Indian. It's the second best place after <laughs> India, I think. Max, do you have any more questions for Prashant? I mean, that was a great interview. Super well prepared, by the way. Probably our most prepared co-host to date, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Maybe I can interview you next time. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, don't get your hopes up. I'm going to dodge that bullet. Let's see if we can squeeze one more. What what changes would you like to see industry at large, like in the future? If you could could, uh, see any change happening, whether it's in technology, obviously, but also in the the way we work, about like the philosophy of the, the industry as a whole, there's like anything that you'd like to see happening? Well, that's a good question. I would probably say that, you know, I think Page Frame Store is already part of, I think it's the perfect blend between creativity, innovation, and technology. A while ago, you were kind of talking about deep learning and real time and unreal. I can see that, you know, a lot of lot of films or a lot of new shows are kind of adapting to those methodologies. And if it's really helpful, I mean, all said and done is if it's really helping the artist, you know, why not uh, help them out, kind of easing the process and, you know, let them kind of, you know, come up with more creativity and show off the skills. And in terms of kind of working more seamlessly, more efficiently across different sites, uh, you know, across different time zones, you know, I think whatever way we could do that uh, seamlessly, you know, that will be really helpful. Yeah, we're really working 24 hours these days. Because if I'm not wrong, I think we have about eight, eight sites across the globe, right, Simon? Yeah, it's eight. I'm, I'm sure a lot of work will keep coming from different continents to Mumbai. And I think all said and done, we should be able to kind of adapt the expectations, the timelines, and should be do, able to do that with ease. More flexibility in the future. Nice one. What a great conversation. I Yeah, I had high hopes for this episode. This is... Uh, I'm calling this the Mumbai-London-Melbourne uh, connection episode, and uh, you've both done it beyond 
justice. I think it's been such a really, really good conversation. It's been excellent. So thank you both. I have one more question to ask, which I'm very interested about, because on the last part, uh, Prashant, you talked about being creatively and artistically literate, and we talked about art and cinema and all that good stuff. A question to you both, because this was mentioned on episode two by Daniel Mizuguchi on the question he wish I'd asked him. What's your favourite movie of all time? Prashant, what's the one kind of desert island movie that you'd go to? So if you remember a while ago, let me answer that. It is The Terminator, the first one. Is it The Terminator, that one that sparked that love? Yes, yes, for sure. Great, I'll be back. (laughs) Max, what about you? Again, that's a really tough one for me. It's like having to choose one out of so many, it's just so difficult. But I think if I had to choose something, I think I would choose the Lord of the Rings trilogy because it's like 12 hours long and I never get tired of watching it. So that would be the perfect Lost on an Island movie. That is a cop out going for a trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) You dodge that going for three movies rather than one. It's one story. If you had to pick one out of the trilogy though, come on. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Come on. Uh, I think the first one, the first one, The Fellowship of the Ring. We'll let you have that. Thank you. Well, again, thank you both so much for this week's episodes. I think it's been brilliant. I've learned a lot. We've overrun a bit. Really appreciate you giving giving us and the people of Framestore your time with this episode. I think it's uh, it's going to be a piece of content that is going to last forever. Before I let you go, are there any final words or anything you'd like to plug or share before uh, we close out? part two of this week's episode. I think I would say thank you, Simon, for kind of giving us this opportunity. And thanks, Max. I think those are some quite grilling questions for me. I think, yeah, I think look forward to hearing out more on this podcast from different people, getting to know the kind of the different perspective. It's wonderful being part of this. Thank you. Thank you, Prashant. No, absolutely. And we'll definitely be getting more of your colleagues from Mumbai on the podcast in the near future too. So do let me know if there's uh, some good uh, stories to tell from the team. For sure, yeah. Well, Max and uh, Prashant, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend this time with you both. I wish you both well. Keep listening to the podcast and hopefully I'll bump into you both soon in the very near future. Thank you. Cheers, Max. Thank you very much. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, thank you, Prashant. Well, that wraps up this week's episodes. What a great duo. It just leaves me to thank Prashant for being a truly inspiring guest and Max for being this week's excellent guest co-host. We'll be back next week with another special guest from the Framestore community. This is another incredible episode that you absolutely cannot afford to miss. Thanks for listening. See you then.